Good morning, everybody. Great to see you all. Lots and lots of people. Give me a wave if you can hear me. I actually can't hear you. This is the slight thing. This is the next step that we need to change because I have no clue. Um, <laughs> what I can't hear anything of you guys. So I'm speaking to a camera. Uh, but isn't it wonderful? Wasn't that a wonderful uh, time of worship? So um, sensitive and uh, really appreciate that. And so um, if you've got your Bibles, have you got your Bibles? Can you shape, wave them at me? I have my iPad. This is my Bible. You can wave te technology at me as well, but you're going to need that today as we continue in our series on Acts. And so I was reading back through Acts um, this week and um, up until this point, so we're going to be talking about Acts 10 today, but up to this point, there are already um, many instances of miracles happening uh, in our, it, it, throughout the whole story. And, and I counted a minimum of 17 instances of where there were either individual miracles, as we would sort of see them, or group miracles. And so if, even in this, the very second chapter, if you remember, was uh, where the Holy Spirit was poured out and there was a, a rushing wind and, and things like um, uh, tongues of fire coming down onto people's ha heads. Uh, and, uh, and then there was other things... Uh, tragic things like the, the, the sudden death of Ananias and Sapphira or what about when the shadow of Peter when the, even when the shadow went past people people were healed then last week Martin spoke on the, the second half of Acts 9 and, and in there there were two again profound and amazing um, healings where uh, Ananias uh, was, was healed and Dorcas was restored to life amazing amazing miracles and we're not even part way through the story yet well as martin concluded last week he left us with peter in joppa at the at simon the tanner's house which is near the sea and that's exactly where we pick up the story today so we come to acts 10 uh, verses 1 to 48 now don't worry we're going to read every single verse of these 48 verses, every single one. It should be our staple diet, shouldn't it, when we consume what the Bible has for us. And so we're going to do that today. So here we go. Get your Bibles, get ready. Verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. You would, wouldn't you? Like if, if an angel turns up, you're going to be like, whoa, even if you're a centurion in the Roman army. And he says, Cornelius responded, what is it, Lord? The, the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial, as a memorial offering to God. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a, name, uh, a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. 
he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on the journey and approaching the city, Peter went up onto the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. There they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Now a brief interlude for a a spoiler alert. The the, the picture that uh, that Peter had of this vision, this this, uh, trance of the the sheet coming down from heaven and being... um, filled with four-legged animals and reptiles and birds and being told to kill and eat. This was not actually about what he was permitted to eat or not. This was, in fact, uh, talking about something else. It was talking about whether the Gentiles were going to be able to be saved into what had up to date been a predominantly uh, Jewish salvation into Jesus Christ. And so this was a different thing. So he was pondering it as he was moving. So Peter went down and he said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? We're now in verse 22. The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. And God, um, uh, Jewish people, a holy angel told him to ask for you and to come to the house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting him and had called his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said, for I am only a man. Whilst talking with them, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or to visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. He'd worked it out. He'd worked out what this vision was from God. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying um, at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. 
Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest at the house of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to speak to me, to us. Then Peter began to speak. Basically, Peter now is about to present the gospel as he knows it and as he understands it through his experiences. This is going to be new for Cornelius and his um, friends and family. So verse 34, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead and on the third day he, uh, caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now Peter had been going on for a bit, just a little bit like maybe you think I'm going on as I'm reading it. And at this point, the Holy Spirit makes a dynamic entrance. It's almost like, okay, enough words, time for some action. Verse 44, whilst Peter, I'll ad-lib, continued to speak these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. What a wonderful piece of text. I love reading the Bible. Isn't it just amazing? There's so much truth in there. We could talk about this for a whole year, but we've got a few minutes. You'll be glad to know. So we're going to talk about three things that I really felt that God had put um, on my heart for today. The three things are, firstly, the gospel is good news. We see that, we've just read about it, and we're going to break that down a little bit. Secondly, the gospel is good news for today, here, now, exactly where we are. And thirdly, it's about empowerment, empowerment for the mission. How do we be, how are we empowered for the mission that Jesus has for us? So when we think about the gospel, there's lots of different ways of thinking about that. 
lots of people have different opinions, but uh, in some ways maybe we've softened it off slightly. But I often think that it's really helpful and really healthy to really remember exactly where we were. And by that, we can read about that in Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 8. Uh, I, I suggest that you read that, that you go away and you read that on your own. We're going to break it down quickly now, but we don't have time to sort of really get into it. But this message has somewhat been lost over time. It's been softened. But the reality is, just as we read in Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 8, and so we're going to break that down. We were dead. Before we knew Christ, we were dead. We were like walking zombies. We were dead in our spiritual sense. We didn't know Jesus. We weren't on life support. We weren't in a coma. No, we were dead. We had nothing. There was nothing going on. We had no way of getting that. But it was worse than that. In fact, we weren't just neutral at that point. We were being um, controlled by the devil. We were under the control of the kingdom of the air, as it says in Ephesians 2. And that means that the devil was actually running the show, that we were a party to that, but we had no, of, no way of influencing that. That leads to our own selfish ambition and our own selfish desires. It talks a lot, doesn't it, when Paul talks about the way that we um, sort of uh, the things that we need to put off. It's all about selfish ambition and desires and, and drunkenness and all these things. These were the things that were controlling us beforehand. These were the, the tactics of the kingdom of the air. These were the tactics of the devil. Probably most scary of all of these things, if that wasn't scary enough was that when before we knew Jesus, before we knew Christ, we were under the wrath of God. God's wrath was put against us because he can't tolerate sin. Before we knew Jesus, that's where we were living. We were living in a spiritually dead environment where we didn't know anything. We were living in a place of self-gratification. We were living to the rules of the devil. And scariest of all, we were in line for the wrath of God. That's pre-Jesus. You'll be pleased to know that it gets better from this point forward. The gospel, which is good news, that's what it means, the gospel, good news. The good news is that in the very nature of God is love. He is a just God. But his very nature is one of love. And he made a way for us. He has the power to make us alive. When we become a Christian, when we follow Jesus because of the work that he did on the cross, not because of anything that we can do, but wholly because of the work that he did, we are then given a power which means that we don't need to try harder and try harder and try harder. It's not from within, it's from without. It's from outside that comes into us. Thirdly, when we become a Christian, it gives us this secure hope for the future. It gives us our secure hope for heaven. And fourthly, when we are saved, when we respond to Jesus, to the, the works that God had put forth, it gives us... Um, uh, it, it's all to his glory so that we don't talk about what we did 
No, for, by no means, because it's not for us to boast. It's about what he did. It's through his making the way. It's through that that we follow him, and it's for his glory. And as we know, the gospel, the salvation, is received by faith. It gives us a purpose to live by. It gives us a purpose. We know the things that we need to do. We know where God is going and we know what he is doing. And these are things that happen when we're made alive in him. Because of God having a plan that Jesus would come, that he would die on the cross so that we could have a way of being in relationship with him, so that this righteousness would be imparted onto us, not by anything we did, but all by what he did. But once we have that, we then have a plan for our lives. We know the things that we need to do. Now, the centurion that we've been reading about in Acts 10 kind of had this all a little bit upside down. In the first three verses, we read that his prayers uh, to this God that was a little unknown and also the works that he'd done had been seen by God. Now, I I don't know about you, but I know many people a little bit like this. Many of my friends, they have this sort of sense of, of justice, of social justice, of inequality. They're good people, but they also don't know God. We need to be able to share the gospel with them. The gospel is good news. It's the coming of God's kingdom. Remember in Matthew 6 when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's this clash, this wrestle between the dark kingdom the kingdom of the air the devil's kingdom and god's kingdom and we are his representatives here on earth and so we move to our second point that the gospel is good news for us today here now look the the battle continues to rage today as it did then but the gospel is still good news I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I was at a conference a number of years ago, about four years ago, um, in a in a different country. Uh, it was a small conference, and it, at that conference, I met a, a gentleman who's uh, who came from another country, and his country neighboured one of the most hostile countries to Christianity in the world. I got talking to him, and uh, I'm fascinated by this and the the stuff that's going on there. And so I said, uh, would you tell me some stories of things that you've seen God do? He told me this story. There was a lady who was a Muslim, a young Muslim lady. And in the country that she lived, uh, being a Christian is illegal. Now, you can be an orthodox Christian, but you can't be charismatic. For a Muslim to become a Christian is an absolute no-no. If you're caught as a Christian telling Muslims and trying to convert them, then you're put into prison for life. And that is life, not part of your life, the whole of your life. But if you're a Muslim and you become a Christian, actually that's a sentence of death. There was a, this young Muslim lady and she was desperate to know who Jesus was. She'd read about him in their holy book 
and she recognized that there was something about this Jesus. So she thought, I know, I'm going to go next door. I'm going to go and speak to my neighbor and I'm going to find out about them, about him. And so she went next door and she knocked on the door and um, this Christian lady uh, opened the door and she said, I need to know about Jesus. Now, what do you think happened? Well, what happened was that the Christian lady slammed the door shut and said, I can't talk, you know, I can't do that. And this lady in tears left the front door. This was her only mechanism of getting to know Jesus. The only way that she knew she left the house and she was in tears. And as she came to her own house and opened the front door, she said to Jesus, I know who you are. I have no access to you. But what I will do is whenever I go to worship at the mosque, I will be worshiping you. As she went in and she closed the door, she walked through the hall and into the lounge, into the living area. And the curtains blew out. And she thought, oh, strange. I must have left the window open. And as she walked forward to the window to close it, she pulled the curtains aside and the window was closed. She was astonished. And so she turned around and facing her and walking towards her was a person in, gray, in white, glowing in white robes, showing her, her his hands. And his hands had holes in. Amazing. More than that. Jesus then told this lady to get on a bus, to go from where she lived to this neighboring country, spoke uh, and said, this is where you need to get off the bus and you need to go to this church and you need to do this. And this is this guy's story. And this is happening time and time again. He now runs a 14-day discipleship course where he puts people back together and he sends them back. They are, it's illegal, they're underground churches. They are only permitted to do this in their friends, very, very close friends and family, and they don't know anything about one another. They can't because it's illegal. This is happening time and time again. God's plan is still the same. His gospel is good news for today. We have to recognize that God's plan hasn't changed. It's the same. Jesus is still the way. He's the way for us. He's the way for this nation. And we have to preach the gospel in a way that is um, real and true and is accessible and is bold and brave. What would I have done if I, would I have slammed the door like that lady did? Maybe, being honest, I don't know. But Jesus says, I have a plan. If you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. Well, I'm saying today, I want to do it. I want to be that person. I want to be somebody who communicates the gospel effectively. I want us to be like that as well. We're coming on to the third aspect. And in a moment, we're going to respond by singing so Helen, this is a time for you to make your way back this way. But 
the, the, the primary point here is that the gospel is good news. It's, it was good news 2,000 plus years ago. It's good news today, and God's plan is his plan is his plan. And we're a part of it. But we're a part of it when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're a part of it because we don't do it from ourselves. We do it through him, with him, and by him. It's not for our glory, it's for his glory. It's always for God's glory. But we can be bold and we can be confident because his plan never changes. Just as we've been reading through Acts, the empowerment of his plan is through the Holy Spirit. And we today, we're going to sing a song in a moment and then we're going to come back and we're going to apply it to our lives. Because the Holy Spirit is the way that we do this. It's not by gritting our teeth and being... It's about doing it through the power by which he gives us. So Helen's going to come and we're going to sing Waymaker. And this is a prophetic song. I've been worshipping to it all morning. We sing the bridge and uh, the chorus primarily because those are the bits that are for us here and now. But we're going to sing that and we're going to sing it with great faith. If you need to turn your camera off to stand up and be active, I implore you let's do that we're going to be active now because we want to engage with him because the very gospel that was being presented to Cornelius is the same gospel that is available to us we're the messengers and that's really important so we're going to sing this with great faith uh, and Helen will do that right now I'll step that way and uh, then we can sing. So let's sing with faith. Let's interact. Let's be really going for it. <laughs> 